Tobin and other people, and welcome to the first Making Digital Short. Why are we having a short, you ask? Well, right now, I am in Texas, which is currently overloaded with wintry weather because apparently our power plants were not properly winterized. Therefore, the entire state has shut down and I have been without internet for the past um, 85 hours. Jeremy would love to be here. Unfortunately, we do not have the technology available to us to connect over the internet. So it's just me today with some very deep thoughts. Funny enough, in our last episode, we talked about the age of DVDs being over. Well, since I have power and water, but no internet, I have resorted to entertaining my children with DVDs for the past three days. It's been kind of interesting pulling up that old Spanish version of The Sound of Music and Despicable Me. The age of DVDs is back. But now on to some more serious thoughts with the power being out and then the internet being out and the fact that I can't look up even the most basic of information when I have a question. I'm realizing how dependent our lives have become on the digital world. And the question that I have is, does digital actually make our lives better? Now, I will be the first to admit that I am the wrong person to answer this question for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jeremy always accuses me of being a Luddite, meaning I don't adopt new technology quickly or easily. I have a tendency to be stuck in my ways and go with the thing that works, that I know will work and that I won't have to bother with. The second reason is that I make my living making digital. So to ask the question, does digital actually make our lives better? It's a bit of an existential exercise. Does the thing that I do most of my day actually make people's lives better? But I think it's a question worth asking. What I'm going to do in this episode is just give you a couple of my own thoughts, and hopefully maybe it'll spur some thoughts of your own and we can have a conversation around it. Sound good? I don't know how you answered, but I guess it doesn't really matter because I'm just going to keep talking to this mic because I have literally nothing else to do. When I say, does digital make our lives better? Really what I'm asking, I guess, is does the internet make our lives better? Does the internet of things make our lives better? What does better actually mean? Better than what? Better than they were in the analog days? Can you make a blanket statement about what life was like before the internet versus what life was like now? It probably depends on a lot of factors like who you are, where you live, what you enjoy. But for the purposes of this episode, we are going to make some pretty blanket generalities. So when I say better for the purposes of this episode, better means are we generally happier? Do we generally feel more fulfilled by the work that we do, by the lives that we lead, by our relationships? Some immediate things come to mind when I think of how digital helps us in those arenas. And the number one thing is communication. The ability to communicate with someone no matter where they are or what they're doing in real time. 
is pretty magical, even if you look back 30 years ago. I was reminded of this in the past couple of years when I got the new Apple credit card. Now, if you haven't seen the Apple credit card, it is like this, this chunk of metal that looks like a credit card, but it's super sleek and super clean. Every time you hand it to somebody, they look at you kind of funny, like, what are you doing handing me this piece of metal? I got that card for when my wife and I took a trip overseas because it doesn't charge any international transaction fees. So it was very convenient for me to have this Apple credit card that didn't charge me this fee. So I took it with me. We go to rent a car in Barcelona. We we're planning to take a short day trip up the coast. I hand it to the guy at the counter. He runs it and it's declined. And my immediate thought is, well, wait, why is it declined? I know that it's not above my limit. I mean, I was getting a $70 a day car. It wasn't going to blow my credit limit. And I had just gotten this card. So I go into my Apple wallet and I look for the phone number to call. Well, guess what? With the Apple card, there is no phone number to call. It's a completely digital experience. The support for the Apple card is digital. You can approve a transaction that just got declined and say, no, actually, this isn't a scam. I actually tried to initiate this, which is awesome. If I weren't a cheapskate and had actually purchased an international data plan so that I could use my phone to make that transaction. Well, guess what? I didn't purchase it. So now I'm stuck at the counter of this car rental place with absolutely no way to pay for his service because I don't have the traditional analog way of resolving a credit card transaction. I ended up walking a mile back to the airport terminal so that I could get on the free public Wi-Fi and approve the transaction walking back to the car rental place and giving him my card again so that the transaction would go through and we were late for our reservation. Anyway, a digital world is meant to make transactions like that faster and easier and more personalized. So that's a definite benefit. Things that make our lives easier, you would think you could clearly put in the advantage column for digital. The counterpoint, however, is what do you do with the time that you get back from those little conveniences? That's what this argument's all really about, right? Because if you use that time that you get back in a non-productive, non-fulfilling way, then has digital actually helped you at all? I would argue that no, it hasn't. It's probably hurt you. It's probably led us to lead more distracted, more superficial, and less communicative lives in general when we don't fill those gaps in time with meaningful activities or meaningful conversations or or things that help us grow as individuals or as a community. Building on that idea, one of the things that the internet enables is freer access to information across the world, which on the outside is a wonderful thing. It could be used for education, it can be used for upskilling, it can be used it could be used to overthrow evil governments. The question is, does better, quicker, freer access to information 
actually mean we have a more informed population. Again, it's a tool. It's what we do with that tool that affects the impact it will have on society, on our lives, on anything. As a child, one of my favorite things to do was to go into the living room in my house and open up the world book encyclopedias. Do you remember what those are? Like this whole, I think there must have been 30 of them. You know, one for each letter, plus some letters were split into multiple books. You could just open it up and learn about all of the things in the world. Now, this was the 1980s, and I think the set that my family had had been published in the 1970s, and we weren't really great at updating them with the yearly updates that came in the mail. So I was reading outdated information. I was also kind of a nerd because what preteen goes in there and reads the encyclopedia for fun, but, you know, that was me. The internet has leveled that playing field quite a bit. Not every family could afford a set of world book encyclopedias just to have at their fingertips to look up random information when it crossed the mind of their 10-year-old. I realized I grew up in a very privileged household to have access to that. Well, the internet levels that playing field. It makes that information more available if you use it. The counterpoint to that argument is that there is so much information now that we need to use digital means to curate the information that's available to us. And depending on what source you use to curate your information, you can have a wildly different perception of reality. That's a unique situation at this point in our history. I can't think of another point in history where we have been unable to at least agree on a set of facts that we can then form our own opinion around. But we can't even do that. We can't agree to some basic level facts. But that is an argument for a different time and probably a different podcast. The point I'm trying to make here is that digital can give us so much access to information that we don't know what to do with it. Another thing I've noticed throughout this ice-pocalypse that's been happening in Texas is how the digital connections that we have have remained strong, even though the power is out or, you know, the internet may be down. As long as we have a mobile signal, we are texting each other, chatting with each other, checking in on people. I'm more connected digitally to people that I don't see than I am to my neighbor next door, who I haven't checked in near, with nearly as often as I have some of my coworkers who live miles or even hundreds of miles away from me. It's a weird paradigm that 30 years ago would not have been the case. If the phone lines are down 30 years ago, you couldn't check on people who were hundreds of miles away, but you would check on your neighbor and you would check on your whole neighborhood and make sure that the people there were good. How does that affect our communities? when our connection levels are so spread out because of this digital means of connection that we have. And speaking of those digital connections, there's one piece in particular that I want to address, and that's the social media aspect of our digital lives. It's very interesting to me how we go onto social media and we see this very thin sliver that represents entire lives of people. It's the thin sliver that they choose to portray themselves as 
online. Yet we have a tendency to compare our whole selves to this thin sliver of someone else. That's generally not a very healthy behavior. Digital enables this behavior, but it's not the cause of this behavior. The cause of this behavior is human nature. So again, digital is the tool, but does that help us answer the question of does digital make our lives better? One final thought, and then I'll end my ramblings for today. Access to digital connections, like the internet, like a phone, like a computer, really highlights some of the social inequality that we have in our society. Let me explain why I'm seeing this now. In this ice apocalypse that's hitting Texas right now, there are people who are literally struggling to survive. I have friends and colleagues who have not had water or power to their house for three days straight. I'm driving my all-wheel drive vehicle over to their house to pick them up, to bring them to my house so that they can have enough heat to actually stay alive and have water to drink and to be able to plug in their phones so they can let their families and friends know that they're fine. But there are lots of people who are out there struggling right now and digital connection is not their priority. Yet there's a good segment of the population that do have power, that don't have internet, and they're thinking, man, how do I get access to internet? I mean, it's crossed my mind. It's hard to live without internet sometimes. All the time. Yes, definitely. All the time. I am a spoiled brat when it comes to not having internet. But it has crossed my mind to book a hotel that has internet so that I can actually get back to work because I have deadlines and I have things that I need to do. I'm not going to do it because I think that there's probably a shortage of hotel rooms in this town. And I'd rather that people who need one be able to access one. But what about the people who can't afford to just get a hotel room on a whim? Helping them has to be an analog process. No amount of digital is going to help them right now. No amount of digital is going to be able to reach into their homes and warm them up and give them food and give them water and give them shelter. No, that is an analog process that we as a society need to engage in. And that's always going to be the case. Digital is just one tool among many tools. And it's a tool that we need to use for good as much as possible, both for the good of society, but also the good of ourselves. I want to think about the conveniences and the time that digital saves me. And I want to make sure that I'm using that time well to improve my life the life of my family, and the lives of the people that I interact with. So there you go, folks. The first, making digital short. If you have any thoughts or comments about this topic, we would love to hear it. Go ahead and post your comments on our website at makingdigitalpodcast.com. Thanks again for joining us. Feel free to leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or whatever the names of those podcasting services are. Like I said earlier, I'm a Luddite. I don't know technology that well. Until next time, when we really will probably talk about imposter syndrome and its effects on us, my name is Jared Stevens, and I'm usually joined by Jeremy Carney, and together we are Making Digital. Wow, that was painful.
The views and ideas expressed on this podcast are our own and do not represent those of any previous, present, or future employers. Or spouses, or family. Peace out. Ha, <laughs> ha,